0: All right. Um, just out of curiosity, how many of you guys are here for the first time tonight? Just lift up your hands. Come on, welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I love when everyone's like, like this. Why y'all? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. All right. Welcome to Emmaus. Uh, my name is Erin. I am the college pastor and uh, lead pastor of New Philly Church, and I'm the director of this ministry here. Um, and I'm just so glad that you guys were able to join us uh, for. Uh, our large group. Um, I know that it's kind of in the middle of Chuseok. Um, technically, Chuseok is kind of over, right? It's over. Wait, well, what holidays tomorrow then? Okay, yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> that's important too. You know, it's a red day, and so um, I'm just glad you guys were here in between that kind of strange break. Uh, how many of you guys are actually not from Yonsei University? Come on. Come on. I think I see a couple. Iwa, right? Iwa in the house? Iwa? Iwa in the back? What's good? We got SNU, right? Okay, SNU representing. We haven't... Anybody from Hongdae? Hongdae has yet to come and make an appearance, huh? Okay, we're going to have to work on that. Anybody come from a university I didn't mention? Yonsei? Oh, we have Korea. Of course, we have Korea. Do we? where who, is Doreen? Okay. Doreen, girl, you got... I see like dogs underneath this chair, but you better, you're part of the sky sky team. You need to be excited about that. Um, all right, uh, I'm here to give you the word tonight. And before I do, I just want to kind of acknowledge somebody special that's joining us today. Um, you guys had a series of speakers, a lot of them who used to be former staff. Uh, Pastor Marcus Corpening, uh, he gave a pretty killer message, right? He even sang a little bit for us, for some of you guys who were there. Um, he was part of uh, the staff that originally kicked off Emmaus. This ministry used to be called YCF yonsei international christian fellowship and about four years i took over and we changed the name and uh, i forget who i don't know if it was brian but somebody was talking about how changing the name is significant in the bible yeah pastor brian um and so pastor marcus pastor brian myself we helped jumpstart this kind of renovation of this ministry and one other person who used to be an exchange student himself he ended up uh coming back, staying, and becoming a, a student GSIS at Yonsei University as well, uh, graduated uh, grad school. And I, I still can't say his major, what he graduated with, because it's too long and complicated. But let's just give a warm welcome to Matt Walker in the back, if you can just stand up real quick. <clears throat> yeah, I just want to honor him. He was part of the core team to get this ministry going. And so um, let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 15. You know, out of all my gospel, uh, out of all the gospel accounts, I'd have to say that John is my absolute favorite. He's, he's my, it's my favorite gospel. And I think because he mentions women a lot, just saying, there's a couple of accounts that are only in the book of John that really, really speak to me. Um, And so I love this, this book in particular, but we're going to look at John chapter 15. We're going to look at extremely familiar passage verses one all the way to 17. Amen. Look, she's already getting blessed. I just said the book name. She's getting set free. All right. Um, I'm going to read from the NIV. You guys feel free to read from whatever version you have. Uh, I'm going to read the first verse and I want you guys to follow up. So odds evens, y'all with me? All right. Uh, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father I have made known to you. This is my command. Love each other. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, love each other. Some love going on right now, huh? You know, when I uh, used to read this passage, one of my favorite parts of this scripture would always be verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. But the funny thing is, I usually just remember the latter half of that verse. I remember this part. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. You, you know, I don't know what kind of prayer requests you used to pray when you were younger, but I know what kind of prayers I prayed. And uh, my first couple of prayers that were intense, you know, even tear wrenching, crying out to the father, God always had to do with boys. Now, if there are two vices that I had to deal with growing up, one of them would be drugs and the second of them would be boys. Now, obviously boys started a little bit earlier, you know, because I wasn't. I wasn't like that. You know, when I was little, when I was little, all I, you know, my first crush in elementary school, you know what I'm talking about. Look across the room and, you know, putting up their glasses and just, yeah, I had glasses, all right? That's before glasses were cute and trendy, you know what I'm saying? I had, like, big old red rimmed glasses. I don't know why they were red, but red you know, looking across the room at my crush. And I remember I used to pray. I used to pray these prayers. I kid you not where I would get on my knees because I knew how to be religious. You know, I get on my knees on my bed and I, I put my two hands together and I say, Lord, I will do whatever you want. If you make Matt, my boyfriend, <laughs> not Matt walked over there, but one of my first crushes was Ms. Matthew Porky, son of a dentist. Which is, like, ironic because, anyway, y'all know. Actually, I should add on to the vices that I have, right? One of them being, I have crazy sweet tooth. But Matthew Porky, man, he was so cute. If I showed a picture of it to y'all right now, y'all would laugh at me. Because he wasn't that cute. But I thought he was really cute when I was in elementary school. I mean, I had a crush on him. I mean, you'd have all sorts of different prayer requests, you know. Lord, I would do anything for you if you let me go to the park tomorrow. Or if you, if you do this for me, you know, you remember when prayer used to be like bargaining? You know, you guys go to Dongdaemun and you barter with you know, the vendor and they're like 20,000 won and you're like 10,000? And they're like 19,000 won. You know how they drop like barely. 19,000 won you just begin to barter back and forth. And so many times our prayer life is like that. Let me barter with God. Let me negotiate with you, Lord. If you do this for me, then I'll do this for you. If you provide, if you let me get into this university, I will do that for you. I'll give up drinking. Uh Uh-oh, some of y'all. If you, (laughs) if you make this girl my girlfriend, I will give up smoking. Or I will go to church every day. Remember that one? Lord, I'll go to church every day. Not even on Sunday, every Monday to Sunday. I will go to church and I will pray if you make this happen for me. You know, I used to look at that passage right there. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And I completely disregarded the whole rest of the passage. Well, today I want to talk about the whole rest of the passage. Y'all with me? We're going to talk about the vine and the branches. The word of the Lord says that he is the vine. Jesus Christ is the vine. You know, the passage goes, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the vine and we are the branches. What does that mean? The vine to the branches, the vine is a source of life. The vine is a source of joy. It's a source of all satisfaction. If a branch disconnects from the the vine, the branch is going to die. Eventually it's going to wither up. It's going to dry out and it's going to die. Tell your neighbor, it's going to die. Mm-hmm. That branch is going to die. <laughs> it's so funny. You know, what's one of the first commandments that God gave to man? You guys know this? What's the first commandment that God gave to man? Be fruitful and multiply. You see this passage right here in John chapter 15 from verse one, all the way to 17. We're talking about the key to fruitfulness. See the command to God's people is not just, Hey, let's be friends or Hey, believe in me and you'll get to heaven. It's be fruitful. That was always God's intention. It was always his desire that his people would be fruitful. So it doesn't stop with you wearing a cross and saying, I'm Christian. My question to you is do you have fruit in your life. Do you have fruit to show? I don't know if you guys know the story of the fig tree, but one day Jesus was walking with a couple of his disciples and he sees a fig tree and it's weird because he notices that this fig tree has leaves, even though it's out of season. And so he walks up to the fig tree and he examines the fig tree that has leaves and realizes that there's no fruit. And he curses it and says, die. You will never bear fruit again. This is Jesus, gentle Jesus, shepherd Jesus. He just cursed a tree, okay? And he walks away and the disciples are like, what was that? What's that all about? What just happened? I mean, I know you're hungry, Jesus, but that's a little, you know, like why are you overreacting? We can go to the market. We can pick you up some, you know, no need to curse trees. What's going on? You know, the interesting thing that I realized that I learned later on about fig trees in particular is fig trees. They produce fruit before they produce leaves. So when Jesus walked by and he saw this fig tree and he saw leaves, you know what that indicated to him? That meant that that tree should have had fruit. So he walked up in full expectation that he was going to find some fruit on this tree. Why? Because leaves were there. Fruit first, leaves next. But when he realized that that tree had not a single piece of fruit, but all leaves, he cursed that tree. Now, nothing happened right away, but the disciples went back a day later and realized that that fig tree was withered up from the roots. And they looked to Jesus and he says have faith in God. That's so weird. Have faith in God for what? The resurrection of the fig tree? What what are you calling to for us to have faith in? See Jesus was dissatisfied with the tree that had leaves but no fruit. Because the fact that it had leaves it should have had fruit and unfortunately so many of us believers are like that tree. See we walk Well, we talk the talk. And we go to church on Sunday. Hallelujah. We raise our hands. We know the songs. We can wave it around. Some of y'all say, come on, during the message. And you think, "Mm mm-hmm, look at my leaves. question is, where's your fruit? Where's your fruit? Jesus is not interested in your leaves. When he walks up to examine your life, guess what? He's asking you, Where's your fruit at? Where's the fruit in your life? You say you believe in me. You say that you abide in me. You remain in me. Then where's the fruit at? You know, it's time we change what Christianity means. Because too many people, they get a little slip of paper and they say, What religion are you? They say, Christian. Check it off. And yet, if you examine the lives of these so-called Christians, so many of them live fruitless lives. That's a fear of God just coming upon that corner over there. Oh, you better save that laptop. Okay. All right. Lord, shield. Okay. Where is the fruit? You know, I want to tell you that not only were you created to be fruitful, but your actual being, the way that God designed you, when he created you, when he knitted you in your mother's womb, you read Psalm 139, and it's a passage about how you were fearfully and wonderfully made. When God fearfully and wonderfully made you, trust me, he put the mechanism inside of you to be fruitful. God's not interested in commanding you to do something that he knows you can't do. He's not like that. When he commands something of his people, he says it because he knows we can do it. When he says be fruitful, he says it because he knows we have every single thing inside of us to live fruitful Christian lives. Y'all want to be fruitful? Y'all want to be Christians that just got some nice leaves or do you want to have fruit in your life? You know, the funny thing about fruit is it's not just fruit for you. Okay, let me just talk about this for a second. When you're called to be fruitful, it's not for you. You ever see a tree pricking its own fruit and eating it? What, what purpose does fruit serve to a tree? Absolutely nothing. It's just a byproduct. But someone walking by who's thirsty, who's hungry, can go grab that piece of fruit and take a bite and get nourished and get filled. When I'm talking about being fruitful and what kind of fruit you have, I'm talking about living a life that impacts other people. When we're so self-focused on making sure we wipe the dust off of our leaves, making sure we look good in the eyes of man and maybe in the eyes of God, what we think looks good. But we're not bearing anything that other people can walk by, come and have a conversation with you and feel like they just got fed spiritually or feel like they just got blessed or feel like they just got nourished, feel like they just got ministered to, feel like they just came and with the father love just by being with you. That's the kind of fruit when we think fruitfulness, sometimes we think college degrees, we think fame, we think recognition, we think money. Let me live a fruitful life. Let me tell you something that's world terms we're talking about here. When God says you're called to live a fruitful life, we're talking about eternity, not temporary. Your college degree can only get you so far folks. In fact, God's in the business of taking people who are the lowliest of lowlies and raising them up to the highest of places. He can take a a Hebrew slave and turn them into the right-hand man of Pharaoh. He's not interested in your degrees, especially not as much as you are. God's calling us to be fruitful, but here's the issue. The issue is we know that we're called to be fruitful, but we try to be fruitful on our own. When we say pursuing the love of God and manifesting the love of God and what fruit could be, we want to do that on our own, don't we? We think, oh, we got the assignment, must exemplify Christ on campus. And then we go off and rather than abiding in him and it being a natural byproduct, we try to push, squeeze fruit out of our butts every day on our own accord. You ever see a tree... You know, popping out of fruit, it doesn't work like that. In fact, that fig tree, when it saw Jesus approaching, probably started sweating and was like, oh snap, Jesus coming. Mm, mm, and nothing came out because fruit does not come out like that. It does not happen overnight. It does not happen on your own will. It happens only when the roots are deep down deep, collecting the very waters that are underground and living and abiding in Christ. You can't suddenly one one day be like, oh, snap, I should be fruitful and pop it out. How do you become fruitful? You better recognize it only comes in what? Remaining in him. The word of God says you better remain in me and I in you. When that happens, you will be fruitful. See, the call to fruitfulness is actually not a call to just possess things or pop out things or whatever. The call to fruitfulness is really a call to intimacy. In fact, even in Genesis, when God spoke to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, he wasn't talking about, you know, you know, pop out apples out of your butt. He was talking about having some babies. Oh, y'all looking at me like I just said a curse word. Y'all know that married people have babies, right? Okay. Just saying. I've been married for four years. It's, some, it's time we have some babies, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but let me give you a science lesson. Okay? My husband and I cannot have babies when we're just looking at each other from across the room. You know what I It does not work like that. Uh Uh-oh, some of y'all shifting in your seats right now. It's like hearing your mom talk about the birds and bees, you know? The only way that my husband and I can get pregnant is if we get intimate. See, y'all just... The call to fruitfulness is really a call to intimacy. You know, we make it about works. Let me check off what I have. Let me check off that I'm being fruitful. Let me do this because if I do this, then God, you will love me. You will accept me. You will not let my pencil case fall. You will continue to bless me if I do these things. But I feel like that God is trying to let you know, no, 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 no. no." You see, fruitfulness is just a natural byproduct with intimacy with me. The true call that's going out is be intimate with him. Abide in him, trust in him, lay your life down for him. Are you fruitful in your life? If you're not, I would ask you, how intimate have you been with the Lord? How often do you have conversation? Because too many people think that Christianity is about rules and religion when it's really about relationship. You don't get fruitful by regulation. It's not a set of procedures and methods and then you become fruitful. God doesn't work like that. It's you become intimate with his very love for you and understand that you can love him in return and from that place, you begin to become fruitful. You know, when I think about fruit, I think about babies. I think about bringing people into the kingdom, salvation. And then I think about the fruit that, Always makes me feel mad, convicted. Turn with me to Galatians chapter five. Every time I read this list, I just want to go and cry and repent unto the Lord. Galatians chapter five, we're going to talk about a fruit that cannot, cannot happen in your life unless you abide in him. Turn to verse um, five, chapter five, verse 22 to 23. I wore my husband's hoodie today because I was cold, but it's weird that it fits me perfectly. Don't tell him I told you all that (laughs) Galatians chapter five, verse 22 to 23. It says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Now I'm going to read this list again. And I want you guys to soak up each word. And I want to ask you, do you operate in these things at all times? Y'all ready? Love, joy, peace, patience, mm -hmm, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is a fruit that I want to talk about today. That God is calling you and I to bear, but it is impossible to do it without abiding in him. You know, the funny thing is for me, at least when I read this list, I can tell you so many ways that I try to bear this fruit without God. Well, I try to, you see John chapter 15, it starts with, I am the true vine, the true vine, which means other vines exist, but it's not truth. And trust me, I was connected not to the true vine, but to the deceiving vines of my life. For example, when it came to joy. Joy. How do I bear fruit of joy? My answer was drugs. Because I don't know if you guys ever seen anybody that was high before, but they look like they have a good old time. And so for me, when I was in college, that's when I started getting heavily involved with drugs. It started off with weed and ended up into even deeper things. And when I smoked weed, I had joy. (laughs) So I thought, See, with every true gift is a counterfeit. Amen? See, I thought I had joy. I thought laughing at, you know, random things, that Jensen's shirt was blue. <laughs> Why's your shirt blue? That was so funny. That was joy. Let me tell you, that's not joy. That's foolishness. <laughs> that's someone losing brain cells <laughs> as they're looking at people. I mean... I thought it got further. When I started to dabble in deeper drugs, I used to do ecstasy. Now, I don't know if you guys know about ecstasy, but ecstasy is considered the happy drug. In fact, if you get an ecstasy pill, sometimes they have little smiley faces on it to indicate the emotion that you will feel when you take this pill. And so I would take the pill, pop it in my mouth and go to a big rave club and just, you know, sit there and look at all the lights and I'd be like, wow. I never felt so happy in my life. And I would talk to strangers and I'd be like, I love you, man. Be like, I love you too. And I thought that it was just love. And I remember the first time one of my friend's girlfriends got high in ecstasy. We walked into a club and she started rolling, which means she started getting high. And, you know, she starts grinding her teeth and her eyes are all like buck wide open. and (laughs) And she looks at me and she goes, I feel like I'm in heaven. And I, you know, even though I was high myself, I heard that, I was like, "Mm, I mean, I know this is fun, but I don't think this is heaven. I'm pretty sure that this ain't heaven at all. There was the DJ spinning and everybody's facing the DJ just, you know, it was like a word, like what we just did in worship, except. David was a DJ and y'all were high off your butts. And the reason why you were lifting up your hands wasn't because of the joy of the Lord was because you thought you were happy taking this drug. See, I connected to other vines. Trust me. And I thought that I was bearing good fruit. So funny because deception doesn't, the fruit of deception doesn't last long, does it? The fruit of the spirit, it's eternal. It's not just within our lives. When we talk about being established as someone who carries love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, etc., we're talking about shaping your character for who you're going to be for the rest of eternity. That's crazy. When I talk about feeling high, when I was on ecstasy, that lasted about maybe mm, 12 hours, give or take the pill, 12 hours. And after that 13th hour came, that's when it was a p- depression and utter Em- just sadness and emptiness and just all of the, what's the chemical that makes you happy? Endorphins. Thank you. That's basically what ecstasy does. It just gets all of your endorphins to just go out at one time so that when you're done with this high, you have absolutely no ounce, no endorphins left. So you can imagine how depressing it is. So my fruit of 12 hours ended with me like literally crying myself to sleep. So down, so under. I mean, I tried to get joy. I mean, peace. So many people take yoga. You know, they meditate, they cross their legs, they wear them spandex, you know what I mean? And they, you know, they cute spandex and they lie on that foam mat and hum. they go downward dog and, you know, whatever, whatever you got to do. Some of them want to bust up the heat and get that done because I want to, I want to, you know, not only get fit, but I need that peace inside of me. Yoga ain't going to give you peace. Are you kidding me? I don't care how you feel for that. What? 30 minutes, an hour you walk out and you walk straight back to your problems and everyday life and that peace from yoga is going to be gone. That's no answer. It's a nice distraction though. A costly one though. (laughs) Money wise and spiritually. Emptying out your mind. That's not biblical folks. God never tells you in scripture to empty your mind. He always tells you instead to think about good things. Think about things that he's done. Think thoughts of, of just his faithfulness, not empty your mind. Anyway, don't be tapping into yoga no more. You know what I'm saying? Cause you're wasting your time. Yoga for peace, patience. We think about willpower. I'm going to be patient today. You ever do those mantras? I will not let anything get to me today. You look in the mirror and you're like, "You're awesome," and today's gonna be great. And you go as someone steps on your foot. Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> you walk by. You get on the subway. I just must be helping you. Oh no, you can't. No, I'm okay. And you just try to willpower patience until someone just does something that p- tips it over. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're raging, ripping off your clothes, like punching people. You're like, what happened to all that patience? distraction. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. So many times we try to be a fruitful people, but attaching ourselves to the wrong vine. What vine have you been abiding in? Maybe your vine is not God, but it's another person. See, now when I was in university, I had a boyfriend who I was with for about four years I mean, he was a drug dealer. He's the one that kind of introduced me to everything. Not that much of a quality guy, but which is, you know, I have to admit myself where I was at that time was not a quality girl as well, but two, two wrongs don't make a right. You know what I'm saying? And here we were broke, two broken people, two hurt people trying to fix each other. And it was just disastrous. But I was so connected with this guy that he was my vine that even the thought of breaking up with him, even though I knew that we were just poisoning one another, the thought of breaking up with him, I didn't even know what life was going to be like. I mean, it was that kind of relationship where I was not my own person anymore. I was the other half of this guy. I don't know if you guys ever experienced a relationship like that, but it's one that only is going to lead to destruction, hurt, and a need for just God's inner healing. Trust me. I mean, I'd been longer with this guy. My first year of marriage, I had this thought, wow, I've been longer with my ex-boyfriend than my own husband. I lived longer with my ex-boyfriend than with my own husband. That's a crazy thought, isn't it? I was so connected, so dependent. I mean, he was my God. Every concern, every burden, he was the first person I'd run to. He was the first person that I would begin to share, man, I'm going through this. What do I do? How do I do this? What, what's going on? And I would seek his advice, which would always be, let's get high. Like, you know what? That's a great idea. Thank you. So thankful for your wisdom in my life. But I was so connected to him and so detached from the Lord in that season of my life you can imagine what kind of fruit i was bearing trust me it wasn't love joy peace i mean it was the exact opposite i started brooding hatred like hatred like i want to kill somebody hatred for real i want i was not joyful in the beginning let me tell you it was all rainbow sunshine you know the whole korean drama like oh you know, like he was he was amazing, you know, when the air brushes hair, it was like, oh, and you know, whatever, whatever it may be, it was like that in the beginning, but sooner or later the reality began to come to the surface. And as days pass by, months pass by, all of a sudden I look at my life and I look at the fruit of my life, and I realize, snap, I'm not bearing such good fruit. Some of you guys are so upset that in your life. You only have bad fruit. And you look around and you're like, why am I always angry all the time? Why am I always anxious? How come I can't, I can't even sleep through the night because I'm so worried about my family. Why am I going through this? Or why am I going, why am I, why is it that the only emotions that I'm feeling is not self-control, but I have no control over my life anymore. What is going on? And then you blame God for it. And you say, God, you love me? You kidding me? This is love? What I have to go through? This is you loving me? If that's you loving me, I want nothing to do with you. When the reality is you haven't been abiding in him at all. Which means so much of the things you want to be angry about God for is because you've been connecting to the wrong vine. Y'all listening to me today? I know this is not a tickle you kind of message, but I believe God wants to really set some of you guys free. He wants you guys to shift out of finding your sustenance in other things and shift you to a place where he is your only source. Because when that becomes your truth and your reality, trust me, you will be one crazy, fruitful person. Your life won't just be about you anymore. You'll begin to be someone that when other people encounter you, they'll walk away like, wow, every time I hang with you, just I just feel so much more peace. You know, David, earlier, he was singing in um, right in front of uh, Global Lounge and him and Chisu, they were just singing worship songs. I told them to just go sing on campus. And so he was singing on campus and, um, you know, he was singing songs and, you know, a bunch of people walked by. I wish I could have filmed it. People reacted differently, you know. Other people kind of like slow walking, you know, like who's that guy? I took a picture. So they thought he was a celebrity for like a second. And then they looked at him and was like, no, he he ain't nobody, you know, (laughs) and walked away. But I did make you look like almost famous for like a millisecond, you know. But let me tell you, I saw people literally walking like this and then hearing the music and just kind of smiling to themselves and walking by. And then I saw even this little boy, like he was like this big and he just like, he was far, started off far and he just like walked a little bit closer. And walked a little bit closer until Jesus scared him, you know, <laughs> she was all like, come here. And he was like, ah, and, you know, like booked it. But had she not said anything, I feel like he would have walked, you know, too. But she, But even after was scaring him, he still, later on, he b- walked closer and closer but behind them so they couldn't see. Just walked little by little by little, just getting attracted. You know, there was another kid who probably was in high school. I don't know what he was doing at Yonsei, maybe preparing for an exam or something. But he was just kind of sitting there like this, and he was listening to the music. And I saw his ear kind of tilt. And little by little, he started shaking his leg, and then he started kind (laughs) of snapping with a little smile on his face. You know, when you abide in Christ, you don't even need to try. Impacting others, you don't even need to try anymore. You just live life, and people are blessed. That's gangster. So many of us, we try to be a blessing so hard without abiding in him, and we miss it. And that's why we get burnt out. We get drained. We're like, I can't do Christian life so hard. You know, like I can't be on leadership because it's so draining. Yeah, of course it's draining when you're not abiding in him. When you're trying to do and you forget to be, God is calling us to be fruitful. But it only happens when we abide in him. Amen. You know, turn back with me to John chapter 15. I'm going to tell you what abiding in him looks like, because it's not easy. It sounds simple, the message. Okay, abide in Christ, and I will be fruitful. Yay. Wrong. Verse 1 to 4, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. What? I thought abiding in God meant like, you know, being happy all the time and having joy and and peace. What's all this cutting and pruning all about? See, abiding in Christ means letting him be your gardener. To abide in Christ means letting him do what he needs to do in you. The problem is we try too hard to be our own gardener. We look at our lives and we look at our own problems and we make a list. I got to work on this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this, and let me fix this on my own. Hey leader, please tell me what I need to work on so I can, you know, think about it and do it and deal with it on my own. It does not work like that. God is a gardener and guess what his will and purpose for you, Lord, what's your will for me? Oh, my will, son and daughter is to cut you and to prune you and eventually to kill you. That's his will for you and I to cut, prune, and kill. And it's not kill. It's kill. Cut, prune, and kill. That is God's purpose in your life. Why? Because Christ in me is to live and to die is to gain. You can't be fruitful until you die. Look, it says in verse nine, as the father loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. Continue. If you obey my commands, you will remain in love just as I obeyed in the father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Let me break it down, John 15. The command is to remain in him. He remains in you. To remain in him means to remain in his love, verse 9. And to remain in his love means to obey his commandments, verse 10. And his commandment is to love each other as he has loved us, which goes on further, which means just as I have laid down my life. To love each other means to die to ourselves. So what does it mean to remain in God? It means to die. How do you stay in God's vine? You got to die. What am I talking about when dying? No, I'm not talking about you literally leaving this room and altogether, you know, killing yourselves. I'm not talking about that kind of death. I'm talking about a death to your rights, a death to your pride. A death to your will, your plans, your timing, your desires, your wants. A death to you becoming first priority, that's got to die. The love of self before loving others, that's got to die. When we're talking about dying to ourselves, we're talking about the very thing the world teaches us to hold on to. Oh, you better recognize who you're talking to. Don't we don't we have that kind of attitude? Like what you did? What you stepped on my you stepped on my shoe? Do you know who I am? I'm from New York. Okay, you step on someone's shoe, you're basically saying let's fight. That's stepping on someone's shoe. You know we have things that get wrong to us, and all of a sudden we're ready to fight people. We just forgot that Jesus told us to forgive somebody, and we just forget that. Let's fight. I have this terrible story. I'm about to get really honest with you guys. Can I tell you an honest story and y'all won't judge me? Some of y'all know this story, but I'm going to be very honest. You know, I was in Shinchon one time. And this is when I was already like a leader, okay? So it wasn't like in my pagan days or whatever. Like I I knew Jesus. I love Jesus. And I'm walking at Shinchon Station. And I'm just walking, walking by, and all of a sudden, this guy, he grabs me. He grabs my arm. Listen, you don't touch me, okay? And he grabs me, and he's like, oh, agashi, agashi. And he starts trying to sell me, like, I don't know, some cell phone or whatever. And I look at my wrist, and I look at him. And I look at my wrist, and I look at him, and I I was like, don't touch me. And I said that in English because I couldn't figure out how to say it in Korean at that moment. (laughs) You know when you're, like, angry, you got to just... I wasn't, you know, like I couldn't, that didn't come to my mind. So it just immediately I was like, don't touch me. And he heard me speak English and he looked at me and he goes, F you. And I was like, peace of God. And I walked down those stairs. But as I was walking down those stairs, I heard, I just heard him say that. "f you, f you, f you with every step. And I was like, hold up. No, you don't talk to me like that. And I turned right back around. I climbed up those stairs and I looked at him. I'm like, F you, F you, F you. And I walked down and the spirit of conviction came upon me. And oh my goodness, I literally was about to get, and I, I called my husband, you know, the pastor of the church. I was like, honey. He's like, what? And I'm like, I did something bad. He's like, what'd you do? And I was like, this guy grabbed me. He's like, what? Who grabbed you? Where you at right now? Tell me right now, where you at? I'ma come down there right now. And I was like, I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, this guy grabbed, I'm at Shincho and he's like, i am a, er, you know, like I hear, he's driving. So I hear like wheels turning and I hear like, like sirens going off and I'm just like, what is going on? And he's like, I'ma come there right now. I was like, oh, no, 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 this, I handled it. He's like, you handled it. And I was like, actually about that. Um, um, I kind of, I kind of cursed at him. He's like, you did what? And I was like, I, um, I don't know. Just some spirit came upon me. It was like the old Aaron from just from the years past, just kind of took over my body and I, I had lost control and that's what it was. I lost control. Talk about self-control. I had none. I just literally, as I walked out the anger, my rights, all I could think about is how dare he. Rather than dying to myself, I was thinking just how live I am. And I was like, what do you know? Heck no. Mm." Boom, 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 boom. And I just walked up those stairs. And listen, that poor guy, you know, I just imagine, what if he came to my church one day? You know what I mean? And he was like looking at me, like preaching and like, hold up. I know you from somewhere, or I was thinking, what if, what if another, you know, one of you guys, one of the students walked by and just happened to be there at that exact moment. I was thinking of all these scenarios and I just hear, you know, I just hear God just like, Oh daughter, Oh daughter. And I hear, I hear the devil going, look what you did. Look what you did. Look what you did. And I'm just like, Oh gosh, I don't know what to do. And I to confide in my husband. I'm like, Honey, I'm a pastor. I said, have you to somebody on my missions field in Xinjiang. Lord, forgive me, man. I repented. But I thought to myself, wow, how quickly I lost self-control. How quickly I lost self-control that day. You see, an example of dying to myself would have been, this guy cursed me out. It doesn't touch me. It doesn't matter. I'm dead. I can't get offended right now. I'm a dead person. I'm unoffendable. In fact, you wanna? I'm so unoffendable. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna walk right back up and I'm gonna look you straight in the eyes and say, you know what? God bless you. And walk away. I couldn't do that that day. (laughs) I couldn't do it that day. I allowed myself to think of me first. I so quickly thought of me first in that situation. I so quickly thought of my rights and what I deserved and my worth and my value. And I'm a woman, you know, and I, you can't be taught. You can't be touched. I was so quick to think about me that I forgot that I died. And the moment I forgot that I died, I switched my vine and I began to abide. Not in the Lord. But I I began to abide in the God I call me. You know, the command to abide in him, if you see the breakdown in John chapter 15, it ends with abiding in Christ means loving one another. And even on verse 17, just to make it that much more clear, he ends that teaching by saying, this is my command, love each other. See, God's commandments to us isn't about don't bow down to idols, don't steal, don't kill nobody, don't do that. He's, you know, all of those, we look at laws and we look at rules, but what those commandments are holding is a spirit of love. All of the commandments that God gives, not just the 10, because I don't know if you guys knew this, but God's commandments, it's not just the 10 that Moses talked about. Oh, just in case you guys didn't know that. God's commandments is everything he tells us to do in scripture. That's a lot of commandments. Every single commandment in the scripture, in the Bible, it goes back to two foundational, two foundational commands. One, love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second is to love one another. If we abide by that spirit, we wouldn't fall into any other sin. You see, when I was stealing when I got, I got arrested for stealing, when I was stealing, I wasn't thinking about the store owner. You know, the place that I got caught for stealing, it wasn't a franchise. I mean, I stole at, like that day, I stole at Abercrombie & Fitch. I stole at, you know, J. Crew. I stole at all these different, you know, you know stores. For those of you that are new, yes, I did some things. But I am redeemed. Okay? And so I stole at all these other stores. But the store that I got caught at was a privately owned store meaning it was a family run business, you know, meaning that every piece of clothing that I put in my bag, I'm talking about taking money out of somebody's pocket. It's so, it was so easy for me to distance myself from things like Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, like they don't care, you know, they don't know about what, but it doesn't even affect them. But I didn't realize that everything I was doing was impacting somebody else. It was impacting another person. Me stealing wasn't me just taking a piece of clothing from a clothes rack or taking a bag from a shelf. It was me ruining someone else's day. It was me jeopardizing someone else's job. And for the day I got caught, it was me jeopardizing a whole family's well-being. I wasn't thinking about love. I was too busy worshiping me because I needed that, and I didn't have the money to buy it. All the commandments of the Lord can fall to those two truths, love God and love each other. How do you remain in him? If we have to be fruitful and in order to be fruitful, we got to abide in Christ. We got to remain in him. How do we do that? It's simple. Love God with all your heart and then love each other. Your indication of whether you're connected to the one true vine is your ability to love. How, how is your love life? with the Lord. Is it easy for you to love your neighbor? Or are you walking in that classroom and you just staring at that one person like, mm-hmm, and you sit on the other side, like you got a vendetta, like, are you able to love? Or maybe everything's fine here, but back home you got somebody you can't stand. Some of you, it may be someone very close to you, maybe even a parent. A father, a mother, a sibling. When you think about them, your heart just begins to boil. See, the fruit of unforgiveness is not a fruit that's abiding. It's not a branch that's abiding in the vine. It's a branch that's abiding in deception. You're called to be fruitful. This ministry Is not about just making you guys feel good and sending you out the door. We're not interested in that. We're not interested in, in just petting you guys. Oh, you did that again. That's okay. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I don't know where that came from. I just, that's okay. (laughs) We're not here to help you maintain your sinful lifestyle. We're not here to help you maintain your pet addiction. Oh, you got an addiction to alcohol? That's okay. That's okay. Stay like that. No, we're in the business of helping you transform your lives, not only so that you can be transformed, but that you can transform others. No matter what you're experiencing right now, we're not here to judge you. Don't get it twisted. If you have addictions, problems, bondage in your life, it's all good. God loves you. Thank God he loves us, not based on what we do. He loves us, period, because of who we are. We're his sons and daughters. He loves us. But his love for us is not so weak that he can't change us. But his love is so furious, it's so strong, that it enables you and I to not only live lives where we can love in return, but we can love others. See, God is calling us to a higher place. He's calling us to be fruitful. He's calling us to abide in him. He's calling us to love him with everything that we have. The problem is we will not let go. We will not let go. This message is going to be very simple. I'm going to give you one application. Okay. The application is let go. Just let it go. Whatever you are holding onto, let it go. Let it go. You got beef with your friend. Let it go. Die to yourself and let it go. You're, you're upset because you're here and you didn't get to another program in Europe because you were all about going to Spain and somehow, somehow you ended up in Korea and you're pissed. Let it go. Let it go. I'm not in Spain. You know what I'm saying? I'm here. So y'all blessed. Let it go. If you have conflict with somebody, let it go. If your dream, you are going to be a basketball player, and you tore your ACL, and you can't become a basketball player anymore, and now you're ridden with depression because you don't know what you're going to do with the rest of your life because your dreams all fell down to nothing, let it go. Let it go. You know, when I was in Australia, some Aussies in here, right? Okay, you know, Aussies, they... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, Chitch. That's my Aussie accent, Chitch. Anyway, um it's better than Isaacs, so let me tell you. Let me tell you. Um when we when we were in Australia, we stopped by a uh, Hillsong Church, if you guys know Hillsong Church, amazing church. And uh, the message that we were listening to gave this example that in the I'm going to butcher this, but I'm just going to... basically in some jungle or Amazon or some particular place somewhere in the world, the way that they trap monkeys it's monkeys right tina yeah monkeys is very simple what they do is they get a cage and in the cage they put a piece of fruit okay and so these monkeys you know i'm not gonna do monkey impersonation all right i, I was like getting ready and i was like no nah. <laughs> i'm not gonna go there monkeys they go up into the cage and they see the fruit and the bars of the cage are just wide enough for them to slip their their hand in like this And they slip their hand in like this, and then they grab the piece of fruit. But after they grab it, they can't get it out of the bar. But you would think, okay, just let the fruit go and just leave, right? No, wrong. The monkeys will not let go of the piece of fruit. They are so adamant about taking that fruit and eating that fruit that 100% of monkeys will do this. They will go in, they will grab the fruit, and they will hold on for dear life. And they would just sit there trapped in this cage, not being able to, they will fight the whole, they will fight till they tire themselves out. They will fight to break out of that jail, but they cannot, it is impossible. But all they needed to do was to let go and they could have just slipped their hand back out. So what hunters do is they just set up these cages and they just, you know, go around and do whatever they come back and lo and behold, there's a monkey you know, with a cage, with this, sound like, I was going to do monkey impersonation again. <laughs> All right. And, um, and there's a monkey just holding on stubborn, stubborn as heck, not letting that piece of fruit go. And then they capture the monkey and that's how they, that's how they get captured. You know, you hear something like that and you're like, dang, monkeys are stupid. You know, it's so stupid. You know, Thank God that we're not monkeys, you know? But it's, it's funny, but it's scary that so many of us are in that same position. We were attracted to something that would not suffice, a deception, a distraction, whatever it may be. We put our hands in that little cage and we grabbed a hold of it and we found out that we could not escape. That's what it was like for me in drugs, me and stealing, me and living, finding my identity in boys. I mean, let me tell you, the things, the branches that God had to cut out of my life, it wasn't easy. You know, my whole, not my whole life, but even starting from middle school, my worth, my how beautiful I saw myself was all dependent on how God saw me. Completely, 100%. So if a guy liked me during that time, I was beautiful. If I had two guys liking me. <laughs> but if I had nobody liking me, you know what I'm saying? My, my worth, my value, I put it in the hands of somebody else. I was like, here, males. Males take my worth and tell me, you know, like, tell me how I'm worth, like, I just gave it away that and even drugs. And I just, I bit the fruit. I took the fruit. I fell into the deception. I fell into the bait and I held onto it. I figured out one day, dang, I'm trapped. Even if I try to change, even if I try to change, I can't change. One day I woke up and I was like, I don't want to get high anymore. I had so many of those moments where I was like, this is dumb. I'm spending so much of my money. I'm spending so much of my time doing this. And this is getting me absolutely nowhere. I need to stop, but I couldn't let it go. And I found myself trapped. God's saying, let go. He's saying, let go. You know, The best and easiest way to let it go is to die. And I know I talked about this earlier, but I'm just going to give you a really simple illustration of what dying looks like. When I was starting in middle school, I was going through adolescence. Well, end of high school, uh, end of middle school, high school. I was going through adolescence. And my mom, she had me a little bit later in life. In fact, I was a miracle baby. That's why I like to tell people because it's true. All right, my they had my brother who who is awesome. He was like the golden child because he's a boy, and uh, but they really wanted a daughter. And so they tried for years and years and years, um, and um, they couldn't get pregnant. And doctors told my mom, you just, you're just, you not going to be able to get pregnant. Um, but five years later, ta-da, I was born into the world. And I was a miracle baby, And but my mom had me a little bit later in life. So when I was going through adolescence, my mom was going through menopause. I don't know if you all know what menopause is. Or if you have a parent, a mom, because dads don't go through it. But if you have a mom that has gone through menopause, it is scary. I mean, let me tell you, it's just as scary as me being an adolescent. Like, it was just like two ticking bombs, like, going off at one time. My dad, he calls it World War III, and he was a poor man, like, in the middle. Like, my poor father. And me and my mom just had this terrible, brutal, just really crazy relationship. Like, the things that she said to me, I mean, she would say things like, you are the devil. Like, you are seriously a child of the devil. Like, is my daughter even there because you are possessed by the devil? And i just be like, yeah! And you're like, <laughs> which is probably why my mom, now that I think about that now, I mean, I would just, like, I, it got so bad, I would, like, curse my mom, like, under my breath. I would I would just say, like, I, I hate that you're my mom. I hate you. You know, and she would just be like, how could God curse me with a daughter like you? Or just, it was just back and forth. Just, it was, it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was extremely verbally, physically abusive. It was just a really bad time. That relationship, it scarred me so bad. You think of moms and you think of nurturing. You know, you think of a mom that holds you when you, my mom was never like that. Like my dad was, but my mom, she was like really always very like goal oriented and just, I don't know. The way that she showed love was like cooking me dinner, but the way that I needed love was her to say, I love you or I'm proud of you or give me a hug. But she, she didn't talk that language. You know, she never got shown that language when she was growing up and And so we just had this tumultuous relationship, my mom and me. And, you know, it it was just so bad. I was so bitter against her. So bitter that even when I looked at my mom, like, you know, like it's so bitter that even if she said one little thing, it would snap. And it was like, it was like, she said, I I basically kept a record of wrong. So if my mom was like, why aren't you eating that chicken? It's not a big deal, right? If someone just said, why aren't you eating that chicken? But I heard not, why aren't you eating that chicken? I heard you're a terrible daughter. I'm disappointed in you. I can't stand you. Like, I just heard everything that she said in the past when she said that. I just opened up my book like, "Mm, let me add that to the list of things you did wrong to me. Mother, don't eat chicken. (laughs) Along with the other millions of things that you did to hurt me. What kind of mother are you? You know, like I just held my mom in such bondage. I held her in this prison of unforgiveness. And I remember when I listened to a message about unforgiveness and I was like, uh, no, no, thank you. But something about that message that just awoken in me was the fact that if I forgave, I would be set free. That's what blew my mind. If I forgive, I'm the one that's set free. And I knew that I was in bondage to bitterness, hatred, unforgiveness, just anger. Like whatever it was, I knew that I was I was the one that was in bondage. But in order to forgive my mother, let me tell you something. I needed to die to myself. You know, the penalty, the cost for forgiveness is always death. How do I know this? Because Jesus, he died on the cross to forgive us. And he called us to bear the same thing. And I heard him speak to me so clearly, it's your turn. I died for you. It's your turn. And that night, man, I got on my knees and I died to myself because I could have told you so many reasons why my mom didn't deserve to be forgiven. But I died to myself I didn't erase it. I didn't say what she did was okay. I didn't say, oh, I I, I should get it taken advantage of. It's okay if I get abused. I just need to die to myself. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that all of the burdens and all the hatred that I had towards my mother, I finally took that piece of fruit that I grabbed on for dear life for so many years, and I let it go. And I took my hands, and I slipped it out of that prison, and I walked away. It's called dying to yourself. I want you guys to just close your eyes real quick because I just feel like God is calling this semester to be a fruitful semester. He's calling your time in Korea to be a fruitful time. And I'm just going to pray for you. We're not going to do an altar call. We're not going to, you know, I'm just going to pray for you right here because I feel like this is something that you, just do, you don't just do, you know, without really understanding what's going on. I'm going to let you s- sit on it. I'm going to let it brew in your heart. I'm going to let you let God expose the different vines that you've been connecting to that are not him. And so, Father, I just pray right now over every single person in this room. And, God, I thank you that no matter where they're at, the call is the same. It's to intimacy. And, God, just as a man and a woman, when they get married, they can't have true intimacy unless they have forgiveness and honesty. In that same way, we can't truly be intimate with you unless we let some of the things on our heart go. And I just pray that you begin to start the process of bringing to surface the things that you're calling your sons and daughters to let go. I pray that you give them the strength to die to themselves because you first died for them. If anyone knows what it's like to pay a cost that someone doesn't deserve, it's you. And God, we pray, Lord, that you begin to just do a powerful work in each of the lives here. And I just declare that your sons and daughters, that we're called to be fruitful. That we will be a people that don't just love you, but love you by loving others. I just thank you for what you're doing right now. I thank you for what you're stirring up right now. I thank you for what you're awakening right now. And I just thank you that you're going to be faithful to bring it to full completion. We just love you today. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's just give a clap. Offering to the Lord.